If you've been a listener to this podcast for some time, then you know the connections I've repeatedly drawn between comedians and hard rock and heavy metal musicians. I do it every time a comedian is brought on as guest. There are, of course, the obvious similarities. Live performance, a life spent on the road, bad behavior, the recording and releasing of material, and an almost insatiable need to be publicly validated on a daily basis. The only difference between the two camps are the tools they use to sustain this insanity. Musicians use music, comedians use jokes, but in my experience, once those tools are put away, both camps recognize in one another their innate parallels, and a very deep mutual respect is usually born from these moments. And even though the role of a musician, the role of a band, has changed very little amidst the digital age, despite downloads and streaming, I mean, the job description is still to raise hell and to tour the world playing music. The comedian's job description has altered a little bit, at least from my observance. The part I see that's changed is the comedian's need to record and release material. It used to be a very standard thing for a comedian to release an album, to tour, and release another album. That's why you see comedians like Richard Pryor and George Carlin with discographies of 20-plus releases. But nowadays, most comedians don't even release audio recordings. Instead, they have their eyes on other goals, like landing a sitcom, getting a Netflix special, or landing a lucrative writing job. A lot of the time, comedy, comedy recordings, are simply a means to an end, not the be-all, end-all. Maybe because they grew up at a time where comedy albums had long passed their high watermark in terms of cultural significance and popularity? Maybe. Whatever the case, for someone like me, who grew up sitting in my room listening to the dirty speak on comedy records, laughing my ass off at an, a very impressionable age, I miss this lost art of releasing comedy records. I applaud the comedians who still do it and further respect them when I notice they have a similar respect and reverence for the art form. When I met Don Jameson in 2005, it was through another comedian friend, Jim Florentine. And as a side note here, someone who should have been on this podcast a long time ago. Anyways, probably after 15 minutes of talking to Don, we both recognized we mirrored each other's taste. With him being a comedian... He loved Thin Lizzy and Motorhead, and me as a musician, well, I loved Andrew Dice Clay and George Carlin. After that, it was easy that Don and I would be friends. And of course, this is Don's second appearance on the podcast, his first being episode number 94 a few years back. And back then, Don had released his sophomore album, Hellbent for Laughter, the follow-up to his debut comedy record, Live and Hilarious. The time between these two albums was three years. Now, comparatively, a three-year gap between albums for rock bands is somewhat standard fare, give or take a year. For comedians, however, releasing albums three years apart is a lightning pace, somewhat on par with how Kiss used to release albums six months apart in their early years. But Don is on a roll. 2017 marks three years since Hellbent for Laughter. And so, right on schedule, comes Don's third release, Communication Breakdown. 40-plus minutes of rock and roll hilarity 
on Metal Blade Records. With three comedy albums released between 2011 and 2017, Don Jameson distinguishes himself as a comedian cut from a different cloth. He's doing something I'm not seeing other comedians do, and that's bringing back the comedy album. I do believe he recognizes it as a legitimate art form that's been discarded by a lot of his contemporaries. I want to see comedians' discographies lengthy again. But what brought Don to national acclaim were the 14 seasons he spent co-hosting VH1's That Metal Show with Eddie Trunk and Jim Florentine. Since then, he's busied himself touring with bands like Charred Walls of the Damned and The Hookers and Blow, performing at Rock on the Range and the Monsters of Rock cruise ship, not to mention releasing prank phone call records with Florentine. The man cannot be held down. When I see comedians procrastinating on their craft, they don't have a leg to stand on when you show them Don's CV. It's an admirable work ethic, one that our band tries to follow as well. Here, I caught up with Don as Communication Breakdown was in the top 10 on the iTunes comedy charts. Of course, any discussion with a comedian is going to be fun and funny, but comedians are always best when talk gets serious, and I love nothing more than talking serious about comedy. I want to thank Blue Mic Microphones and Skull Candy Headphones for their support of the podcast. I want to thank everyone who has left a rating or a review in the various iTunes stores all over the world. It's really cool when you log in to, say, uh, the United Kingdom or Germany on iTunes, and, hey, there are ratings and reviews there. So that's really, really cool to see. So thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode. It's always a good hang with Don Jameson. So he's this episode's guest on the official Danko Jones podcast, and it starts now. The Danko Jones podcast is the best around. Nick Flynn, I get his Danko screw up. Tell him for free. I'm so glad I like to sometimes. Jimmy in from Fox Town. Stop playing. Hang down. There's only one podcast to listen to in this world. And that's the Danko Jones Podcast! Don't be a dick! Don't be an ass! Just listen to the Danko Jones Podcast! It's the greatest podcast from coast to coast! Because the Danko Jones Podcast starts now! Are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready to rip it out? Um, how you doing, man? How, how's it going? How's everything going? 
Yeah, it's great to talk to you, man. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been two years, actually, uh, since we did this, since you've been on the podcast. I know, but it's been longer since we've actually hung and, and uh, done something, either rocked out or, or laughed or, or whatever the case. But uh, yeah, everything's been cool, man. I've been, uh, last couple of months have been crazy busy and, and we're putting the record out and touring. It's, it's been a lot of fun. I mean, we follow each other on Twitter. I know what you're doing. And, uh, you know, uh, last time you were on here, last time we talked, uh, yeah, since then, life's changed for you uh, dramatically. M mainly the, the, the That Metal Show on VH1 is no longer. Um, but you, all three of you guys seem to have bounced, uh, bounced back really easily. And the first thing that uh, my first question is, for some reason, something tells me that that's not the last time we'll see that metal show, the three of you guys together. Well, I like the way you think, definitely. Um, and of course, you know, we're all still best friends. We all still want to do something together. It's just, it's up to the business, man. You know how it is. Like this, this industry, whether it's the music industry or TV or whatever, uh, you know, they kind of let you know where you'll be. You know, uh, you know, we had 14 great seasons with VH1 Classic. That was a perfect home for us. Um, you know, a channel that actually played, you know, hard rock and metal videos and, you know, showed concerts and stuff. But they, the channel's gone now. So, you know, now's the uphill climb to find a, a new place that, gets us and you know believe it or not there's not a lot of tv networks looking to put three middle-aged mushy white guys from jersey on air that quickly so well that's <laughs> oh that's surprising because there's just so much from what i hear from the industry like there's so much need for content uh because of all these new channels and because of the digital and the netflix and the streaming and all that stuff yeah, I would, I would think you know there'd be more avenues to take this thing, this brand you have built. You know, you have a built-in audience now, um, and just go to a new home. Yeah, man. I mean, friggin' Larry King is still on TV, man, and the guy <laughs> he passed away twenty-five years ago. <laughs> you're right. So there's got to be a place for us. And, and you're right. When we started that metal show ten years ago, you know, we didn't have as many options now you're right there's you know i mean when we started netflix was still you know mailing you videotapes so yeah 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 it, it's a whole new world out there but you also got to find a place that gets it and that is going to let you do it the way you want to do it you know there's a reason that we resonated with people is because we were just three real dudes three regular guys just like any three guys you know, sitting home, discussing music, having debates, silly debates about lists or which album or guitar riff was better than the, this other one. You know, all, all arguments that probably mean nothing to anybody else, but, you know, means something to us, the people who love this music. So that's an important part of it, too. It's not about the multi-million dollar salaries we'll all be able to command. <laughs> no, no. But, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more about, you know, just... Keeping the the spirit of the show the way the way it's always been, but that was the, the beauty and the, the 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 magic of that metal show. It gave voice to, I I would I think a lot of people who you know quietly amongst their friends talk about this stupid shit and wonder to themselves, <laughs> am I the only one? Am I am I the only idiot who just wants to talk about this stuff instead of everything else in the world? And then when you guys came on, it was kind of validation for all of us 
who quietly go, man, I must be an idiot because all I want to do is talk about Dio and Metallica instead of like world issues and politics. I just yeah. want to talk about Ozzy Osbourne and, and Rob Halford. <laughs> you know, like I, it, it made sense to me. And then, yeah, you're right. It, it hit home with, you know, people because it was just three regular dudes talking about what they talk about with their friends. And I could see how, like, especially in the episodes where you showed photos of people wearing the T-shirt, that metal show T-shirt, you could see, like, yeah, they could be on the show. You know, they could easily walk from the audience onto set and just start talking. As You know, they were just as much an expert as all the people, including the stars who were the guests on there. You could all talk with the audience. There was no real kind of, like, okay, we're the experts, you're – you're the audience. It was more like, yeah, yeah. It was so refreshingly, you know, cool that way. I'd I'd never seen it. I don't think anybody had ever seen it like that. Yeah. No, thanks, man. And you know, uh, look, we we've I've always been like in the business of, you know, trying to help promote this music that we love. I mean, it, you know, if you really want to trace it back to some of the earliest days, was. You know, Jim and I, you know, coming to see you guys play. And then, you know, the, with the rise of social media, like trying to get the word out about you guys on our on our Twitter or our Facebook, where we had, you know, a few hundred followers. And, you know, even now that that metal show's gone, it's like I'm just tireless on all my social media, you know, because I have a good fan base now is trying to get out there and help still help promote people. You know, I'm still out there promoting Danko Jones and I'm still out there promoting you know, new bands that, that I'm digging as well as, you know, the classics, you know, as you know, I just went to see Saxon and UFO recently, you know, uh, you know, they had a great run in America. They're going to come back again. And it's just like that. That's what that metal show was all about is like, let's get the word out. If you don't agree with one of the lists or whatever, or a throwdown, that's cool, man. It's just about, you know, getting the conversation started and keeping people talking about these bands. And that's, that was all it's about. You know, going touring in Europe uh, and then touring in America as a Canadian band, we could really, from an outsider's point of view, we could really see the difference between the rock and heavy metal scenes on both sides of the Atlantic. And Europe was kicking North America's ass, you know, and your show, that metal show, was really the bridge to start rebuilding you know, the genre in, in a real outsider way. And it was bringing in newer fans. And I thought that was such a, a great way to like, okay, let's, let's get this scene start. Like, let's get it up again the way it used to be. And you just mentioned Saxon and UFO. I don't think that package could have done as well as if, you know, that metal show wasn't around. Yeah, it's, no, it's true. And I, you know, and I hear that from the artists too, man. It's not just, you know, it's not just the fans. The fans are amazing. You know, all our fans are, stay with us. You know, in this downtime, which is, which is amazing. But it, but I when I hear it from you know Phil Mogg, or I hear it from you know Biff Byford, you know when I hear it from Dave Mustaine, when I hear it from James Hetfield, you know that that's when you go, oh my God, you know uh, we had no idea when we started out that that's what it was going to become, but that is what it became, and and that's why it is. It it's so. For me, it, 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 you know, look, I'm a stand-up comic, uh, you know, who loves hard rock and metal. I could go out and make a living, luckily. You know, Jim, same thing. You know, Eddie's got all his radio shows. So it, it's not about that we could go out and make a living. We can. It's now it's like you feel 
you, you kind of feel like obligated, like we got to get this back on the air just for the sake of the scene alone, because you're right. You're, you know, the Europe and the UK, they kick our ass with this stuff. You know, I was just over with Black Star Riders on the road in the UK for two weeks, man. Yeah. You know, they were killing it over there. But in America, it, it, you know, unless they come on our show or, or, you know, unless they get some kind of mainstream exposure, they can't tour here. Yeah, uh, yeah, and and that's that was the thing about just watching you guys and 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 watching the thing. And now you mentioned uh, Black Star Riders. You were on tour with them, on tour like you were opening. You were doing a set for the Black Star Riders. Yeah, yeah. I you know we went to we did some dates in uh, Dublin and uh, you know Ireland. We went to Belfast and then uh, Scotland up in the Highlands and down to Glasgow. So. Uh, yeah, I was going up every night, doing a little time, you know, giving them a good introduction. And, you know, over there, they're playing to, you know, a thousand people every night, a Monday night, a Tuesday night, a Friday night, a Saturday night. And, you know, here, if they come to tour here, you know, it might be a case of like, how much money can we afford to lose? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that sucks because it's so fucking great. Yeah. And, you know, and you guys are so great and you guys haven't done a proper tour here in forever and it yeah. makes me mad it's like i i don't want to sit here and toot my horn about that metal show because it, it was a happy accident but it just pisses me off that i can't be on the air saying go see these fucking bands because they rule you know scott gorham obviously you and i are insane lizzie fans so you know just to be on a bus with scott gorham and to to <sighs> have him tell you like after the second night hey you're officially the sixth member of the band and wow you know he was asking me to stay on the tour. He's like, come on, stay with us through England and whatever. And I go, yeah, I wish I could, but I got gigs back home. And, you know, so w it was it was such a cool experience besides, obviously, you know, it, it's five amazing, great guys just to, to hang out with. And, you know, to hear Scott tell old stories about Thin Lizzy. And, you know, it was just a good – and like I said, the gigs were great too. And they were great every night. And, you know, uh, that's uh, – you know, I love that camaraderie. So, yeah, we definitely want to – we definitely want to do that together again. So imagine the three of us, two DJs and the Black Star Riders. It'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah, I mean, for you as a Lizzie fan, touring with Scott Gorham and then playing in Dublin, like uh, I saw a few weeks back or something, a photo with you and Philomena. So that was from that tour. Yeah, yeah. Well, I always go visit, you know, Philomena. Uh, she's 86 now, you know, she's been, you know, nice enough to invite me into her home, you know, a couple times now and mm -hmm. spend time with me and, and also tell me stories about Philip and, you know, uh, she's, she's given me so many little trinkets, you know, of Philip and pictures and told me so many great stories about him. And, you know, I always go and, and visit Phil at St. Fitton's, the cemetery there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, just the uh, Dublin's really become you know, a home away from home for me now, just, you know, because of that, because of my love for that band. And, you know, this, the last time the, the Holy Grail happened, uh, she gave me a, a book, a, an original book of Phil's song lyrics that he published like in 74. Um, so, you know, that's, that's like my Bible, you know, that's my, my most prized possession that I have. Wow. I mean, uh, and, and Graham as well. Um, Mm -hmm. he's he's there with her too i know that yeah uh, he's yeah graham is great you know graham looks after her yeah uh, and he's uh and Gra <laughs> graham's got graham's got a definitely got a wicked sense of humor man man that is so cool i mean uh, the, the, the to you should play the vibe i mean yeah, yeah. I, well i want i think i'm gonna go it's looking like because i'm gonna get over to um 
I'm going to get over to one of the European festivals this summer with with Metal Blade, my record label. So depending on which one we go to, um, I you know might take um, a trip back over to Dublin for Phil's birthday because they, they do a big thing for him on the 20th of August. So right. um, it, they invited me to come back for that. And so, again, depending on where I am, if it's, if it's a hop, skip and a jump, you know, a couple hour plane ride, I'm going to I'm going to try to get back over there for that. No, oh, that would be cool. Yeah. Um, now you mentioned Metal Blade, so let's just get into it because this is one of the reasons why you're on here. You've got it's out already. Your third comedy album for Metal Blade Records. It's called Communication Breakdown, and you were on here last time for your second album, Hell Bent for Laughter. Mm. The difference between the second album and the third album, at least on the cover, is that it doesn't follow the tradition you set on the first two records. It's not a play off of a well-known record. This is a f old photo of you. What is it? A high school high school photo um, of you um, with the fucking hair. But the the best part about that is. You, as the co-host for that metal show, you're so involved with the hard rock and heavy metal scene today, you know, aside from a t-shirt, it's like, well, come on, what else does Don have? This photo tells the story, just the photo itself, the cover, <laughs> it tells the story, it tells me that, hey, this dude has been down since day one when it comes to this hard rock, heavy metal shit. He knows what he's talking about, but here's the proof. Look at this guy. He he waved the flag. You could tell by the hairstyle. Yeah, know? that was that was 1988. My it's actually my college yearbook photo. Okay. Um, for people, you know, again, you know, you and I are like physical, you know, copy type of guys. So you know, I encourage people to to always buy the physical copy because I love the packaging. You know, this photo of me with sort of the. You know, the, not kind of mullety, but like, you know, you know, business in the front, party in the back, wanted dead or alive kind of hairstyle thingy. <laughs> right. Um, and, and yeah, dude, I mean, look, that worked in Jersey in 88 with the with the lady. So <laughs> hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. And I, <laughs> but I mean, uh, and I, now that I'm 50 and I wake up with hair, you know, every day is a good hair day if, if yeah. you still have hair when you when you get up in the morning. So um <laughs> But yeah, man, that's always been, you know, that's always been a part of my life. Com you know, my first two albums were Kiss Destroyer and George Carlin, Occupation Fool. So those those two worlds have always, you know, pretty much been inside of me. But, you know, thanks to that metal show and thanks to having, you know, a comedy audience and a, a rock and metal audience, you know, I really combine the two a lot more, um, you know, because I want to, I want to, you know, I want to kind of, you know, please everybody with with what I'm doing, and and if something's that big a part of your life, how do you not talk about it on stage? Right. Uh, the the one thing I noticed about this album is you kind of uh, you venture out a little bit farther away from music as well. Like there's that Kiefer Sutherland story and stuff. But as a fan of that metal show, and 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 you know watching the the series and stuff i know that there's always been like this one guy or one band that's kind of been a thorn in the side of the show and you kind of take a kick at it now that the show is over i mean i could see that you can maybe take a, a few more kicks at you know paul stanley or kiss or something which you do on the record and i was just when i heard it i was like is he doing that because the show's over now and he can take a a, a free swing at the band <laughs> 
No, no, dude. Anybody I talk about on my albums, it's you know, I maybe it seems it might seem weird to some people, but like you know, you 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 break balls with the ones that the people that you like the most. So that that's really what it's about. It's not a personal thing at all. Um, if Gene and Paul, obviously, they never did that metal show, but they're they were never obligated to. So. You know, it was a fun through line, you know, when, while we were doing the show. And we and look, th those guys took jabs at us. You yeah, know, Paul, yeah. Paul Stanley called us, you know, Wayne's World, which I thought was a really funny line. And, you know, he was I mean, look, I wish we would have been Wayne's World. We'd all be millionaires right now. But, <laughs> <laughs> but well, no, I, honestly, the bands I talk about are the bands that, that I really love the most, you know. So it's it's really all in good fun. I, I really not taking a, a shot at anybody at anybody in a serious way. Um, so now nah, it's, I, you know, all my albums have uh, stuff about bands on there and, and look, I'm from Jersey, you know, that's our weird way of showing affection. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. I mean, that was just me reading into it too much because, because I, I'm so aware of what Paul said about you guys and, and just how he never came on. And that was, for me, that was always really weird because that's, I mean, you want the Kiss Army, they're at the, that metal show. I mean, if you really want to talk to your, your audience, you go on that show. Um, yeah, that was the shame of it. You know, it wasn't, yeah. it, it didn't hurt any of our feelings in terms of, hey, I'm not meeting Paul or Gene because, you know, um, I met Gene. I, I never met Paul, but it, look, the bottom line is, you know, Destroyer, I'll, I could still put on Destroyer any day of the week and I still listen to it often. And I don't, it doesn't, um, you know, I don't confuse the two. You know, when I put the record on, I, I'm, you know, I'm 11 again. I'm, I'm still a fan. There, mm. You know, there's nothing that was said between any of us that makes me not like Kiss. There's no way I'm not going to, you know, there's no way I'm going to stop liking Kiss. You know, I'm always going to be a fan. Right, right. I just figured, you know, the show's over and like, let's go. The gloves are off. <laughs> I, I, I just reading Look, we into want the show. We want the show to live, you know. But yeah. like I said, you know, I, I like to include stuff about, you know, all, all our favorite bands. And, I, you know, I don't think, you know, to me, I'm not doing it in a mean way. I'm just doing it in a way to, you know, this our, our scene definitely has a sense of humor about itself, which I appreciate. Yeah, which is also another thing about you guys like you and Jim and a couple other dudes who, you know, kind of align themselves with the hard rock, heavy metal community, like comedians, I mean, is that there's a lot of, and it's more younger kids who take this shit too seriously where there's just no room for humor. And you guys doing what you do kind of shows them that, look, this is, don't take this shit too seriously. This is for fun. And so I like that, you know, uh, sometimes being an, in a rock band myself, we fall through the cracks. We're not a heavy metal band. We're not a pop rock band. So in today's world, people don't know how to categorize us and they take it too hard. And you guys kind of smooth the edges off and just go, look, just if you like it, then it's fine to listen to. If you don't, then, you know, you don't. But it's good yeah, that humor I, I is there. Right. Yeah. Look, I mean, obviously, you know, because I could listen to, you know, like I'll, we'll get off the phone now and I'm going to immediately run and put Thin Lizzy on because we were just talking about him. Right. Uh, you know, and then I could listen to Celtic Frost and then I could put on your new album, Wildcat, and it all makes sense to me. I did, you know, there's no boundaries with, with music for me. You know, as long as it sounds good and it, it rocks, that's all that matters. So so what what is the what is what was the process for making this third album because last time you were on here I was I was talking about how 
comparing what you do to a, what, what a band does and how fast it takes to turn around material. Now that this record is out, the thing that you know bands do is now we have to play what's on the album. As a comedian, you will you are you are not so protocol says you are not supposed to do the material you put out. So you can't yeah. really go on tour to promote the material by play uh, by you know performing the material. So you should be doing in terms of promoting this album. You should be doing your fourth record now to promote your third record. You know what I mean? Like yeah. It's it's funny that way. It's the exact opposite of bands. But look, it takes a while to develop a new 45 minutes or an hour. So, you know, I mean, there's there's definitely going to be, you know, people are going to hear stuff off of there. You know, I'm still going to, you know, the Kiefer Sutherland story is such a funny, you know, unique, <laughs> yeah. kind of, you know, whacked out story, you know, about me, you know, meeting him in a bar one night and making him buy me six Miller lights and, yeah. <laughs> and you know, getting a, a hickey from Jack Bowers that, that it's, um, it's, it's fun to tell over and over. So, you know, there's definitely going to be stuff, you know, that people will hear. Um, you know, I'm lucky with, with a lot of my fans, like they request certain bits, which is cool, man. So, you know, I try to give sometimes, you know, I give the greatest hits, you'll get a couple cuts off the new album and yeah, man, you're going to, you know, you're going to hear the early stages of some stuff that if I do another album, you know, that's you're going to hear the, the beginning stages of it. So I already got a couple pretty interesting stories that I've been working out on stage, um, one of which is a, something that happened to me a couple of years ago where, you know, because obviously I, I totally appreciate taking pictures of fans and all that. But I had this one fan come up to me and, and he's like, uh, you know, my brother's your biggest fan ever. And would you take a picture w with me and him? And I said, yeah, no problem. But it, the pro it was just me and the guy standing there. So I'm looking around for his brother, like wait, waiting for him to make this big entrance or something. And he pulls a flask out and he goes, he goes, no, my brother died a year ago. And I keep his ashes in this flask and Whoa. carry him. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, so I was like, God, where you know, in what other world is that going to happen to somebody? Right, so, right. so uh, yeah, so I, I started writing a bit about it, and uh, yeah, I, I, you know, I'm at the point where I want it, want bits to be real specific to me. You know, it's like I love telling lots of jokes in an hour, but I also like, you know, I want people to leave going, wow, you know, that's that's stuff I haven't heard anywhere else. Yeah, that was the that was the one thing that struck me about the Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, track was yeah you're moving into like storytelling which is fucking awesome man. i mean the the you know probably the circles that you were able to revolve around doing the you know vh1 and all that and and going mm -hmm. out on the road it's it's i'm pretty sure you've come back with many stories that you can turn into stuff on the stage yeah well like the johnny depp story that, yeah, that yeah. The album that was another one um, but, you know, even the thing about, you know, me bash, you know, almost dying, in, you know, skateboarding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. You know, that story. And so, no, it's good. You're right, man. It's, you know, because I always feel like as a comedian, I'm sort of like the ACDC of comics. You know, I, I basically play three chords, but, you know, I change them up. But on this album, I go, you know what, let me take a shot at 2112 and see what I can do with it. Right. That's a great analogy, right? <laughs> well, I mean, you just told me something I didn't know. And I've only thought there's only one other guy that I know in the rarefied air of comedy where people want to hear the same bits over and over again. Dice is really the only other comedian I can name that people go to his shows to hear the material they already know because they want to see it performed. They don't right. not so much the punchline, it's the the performance of the joke. And 
You're telling me people request jokes? That's amazing. Well, well, look, not not anywhere near Dice's league. I mean, as you know, but uh, but you, you you hit the nail on the head, dude, because it, it is about a performance. And what was funny was um, I did this radio show uh, on Sirius last week, Bennington, and you know he 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 looked at the CD and he you know he obviously he commented on the funny picture of me on the front. But then when you turn the CD over, there's a, a picture of me performing in Vegas, and I kind of have my my chest puffed out. And he goes, he goes, that's a guy who's letting the audience know I'm here to give a performance. And so that's you know I was like, wow, you know I I obviously I picked that photo for a reason, but he kind of saw the essence of it and could convey it. And and I was like, wow, you know, yeah, you, you really nailed it there, man. When I even though it's just spoken word and just, even though it's just comedy and I don't have any musicians around, I don't have any explosions or balloons full of confetti. I'm, I still want to give a performance. I want people leaving going, yeah, he put on a show. Yeah. I mean that I've always said, uh, you know, stand up co comedians are probably the best performers out there. You, you are an army of one out there. You're so susceptible to even like the smallest noise, there's no volume that will cover it. And you still got to keep your wits about yourself and know the material and whatever script you're following in your head. I mean, it's like, man, I don't envy what you guys do at all. It's incredible. Well, look, again, you know, having gone on the road and open for bands, which is, you know, that's a whole other conversation <laughs> to have a comic out touring with bands. Um, which has been for me really amazing but but i will say you know you do um especially if you're with the right guys you do see that what you miss out on is uh, there is a great brotherhood between band members and there is something special about creating something great with other people um you know but at the same time you know i i you know i didn't want to lug equipment and i didn't want to you know I basically just, you know, I said, let me, I want to do this my way. I kind of peaked as a musician, uh, you know, as a guitar player when I was younger. And, and uh, you know, comedy was something that, you know, brought out just a little more aggression and, and passion in me to like, to, to try to be better. And then like, you know, you see me perform with Dice. It's like, I, I learned from the best guy in the world how to be a performer, you know, that you go in front of a Dice crowd, even today, it's like, if you don't get to that microphone before someone yells out, you fucking suck, you're dead. That's probably the reason why only people like you could go out in front of bands because Dice is the hardest guy to open for. Yeah, I mean, exactly. So I look at every show like, okay, I'm just opening for Dice, but you know, yet it's, you know, Faster Pussycat or it's, yeah. you know, Metallica's Orion Fest or, you know, next week or I'm not sure when this posts, so it might already be passed, but opening for Stone Sour at the Rock on the Range Festival here in Ohio. You know, it's uh, I, 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 you know, the sort of the danger of it. it's like, uh, you know, if I fall, I hope there's going to be a net. Yeah, but that sounds like, you know, for any other comedian, I would say, wow, you got your work cut out for you but after a dice tour i mean it's like a cakewalk opening up for stone <laughs> sour at rock in the range yeah well yeah well again you know I, I it was good training ground for sure and um since i do so much material about music too i i really kind of focus on that when i open for a band so it doesn't seem too weird and you know people kind of know me from the show so you know there's definitely a little grace period where people go oh okay yeah com comedy this will be good you know and we'll check it out and 
you know, uh, there's definitely there's definitely been some pretty rowdy crowds out there, but for the most part, it's it's really been a lot of fun. When you do when you do your comedy in front of like other kinds of audiences, not so much music uh, audiences, can you curb your material? Like I know there's the Kiefer stuff, there's the the Johnny the the Kiefer Sutherland story, the Johnny Depp story. Uh, but are you working towards like maybe doing a full set of non-music material? I, you know, I'll probably never not do something about music because it's, again, it's such a big part of my life. It'd be impossible not to, you know, that's like telling a rock band, don't write about, you know, chicks and parties and, you know, stuff like that. You know, that's, that's part of the life or being on the road. That's part of the lifestyle. And, you know, that's a big part of my life. So now I don't think there'll ever be a point where it'll be completely out. Um, but, uh, it, it is funny to, 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 to like, I went on the road with faster pussycat for a month last year. So every night was a rock club, you know? So every night was a very high energy performance in front of, you know, people there's, you know, standing up and, and people who have been drinking for several hours. So, uh, you know, then when I go back into the comedy clubs, I have to kind of talk myself down and say, relax, <laughs> these are nice people, they're here for comedy. <laughs> and I have to like slow my pace down a little bit and kind of take it down a half a notch so I don't scare people off. There's another interesting bit about the new album um, is the the music on it is from actually Dave Mustaine. Is yeah. That, is that true? Yeah, he, he he gave me the opening riff for the album. Um, you know, my first album was Bumblefoot, did the opening riff. He actually did it live on my first album. And then the second album, Vinnie Moore, did a track for me. And then, um, you know, I had seen Dave in New York at the Revolver Awards. And, you know, he sort of said, hey, man, if you need anything, just shoot me an email. Probably thinking, you know, he'll never hear from me. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm one of those guys that follows up. So yeah. yeah. I asked him. Uh, I, asked, I just said, "Hey, man, I'd be honored if you'd if you could lend me a riff, or if you could lay something down for me. If not, no worries. It was great seeing you, and then left it at that. And he got right back to me and said, "Yeah, no problem." So very cool to have a you know a, a, now a Grammy winner, you know, playing uh, on my record, which is so cool. And someone who you know, in in terms of you know characters. In, in the in the heavy music world uh yeah he's very polarizing so you know i you wouldn't think to ask him first uh he's someone that i would for me and if i was in your position i would just assume that it would be impossible but wow he that he did that i've been hearing a lot of things about mustaine recently where i'm just going wow he did that wow that's so cool and so nice yeah well he's i look my I, for whatever reason, he's taken a liking to me from, you know, the, his appearance is coming on that metal show. And then, you know, we developed a friendship behind the scenes. And, right. I, you know, all I can say is for whatever reason, you know, he has been he's been great to me, man. And he's he's helped me out in, in lots of different ways behind the scenes that, you know, nobody knows about. And, and, and I've helped him out with some stuff as well. So. Um, it, it's been a cool relationship. Um, you know, obviously you're right. He can be a polarizing figure, um, which is why I always name him, you know, as one of my favorite guests on that metal show, because that's what you like. You want somebody 
who comes on and speaks their mind and who tells it like it is and who's completely uncensored or unfiltered, you know, guys like him or Ted Nugent or Marilyn Manson or Phil Anselmo. These are guys that whether you love them or hate them, you're going to tune in because you know they're going to just say what they want to say. Yeah, yeah. To me, he's like, I I mean, I I love the stuff he's done, but he's still an intimidating figure to me in terms of like meeting him and stuff. But I mean, he even said some nice things about our band recently that I was blown away by too. So, and someone else that I know we work with in, in France, he was, uh, he did our press day in Paris and he said, really the only guy who's ever emailed me a thank you after, you know, spending the whole day with me was Dave Mustaine. Wow. So I said, Wow, exactly is what I said. So when the day was over, the next day I emailed him and I said, thank you for yesterday. <laughs> thank you. For- <laughs> I hope I'm as good as Dave. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's why I say like I've been hearing all these stories about Mustaine recently, which is like, wow, he, he's he's being really cool. Like he's really well, cool. Yeah, but I mean now it's – but then you know, like he played on Ice-T's uh, new out, the Body Count album and he's, I think he's playing something on Joey Jordison's new album. So I don't feel that special anymore, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, but not a comedian's album. He's, he hasn't no. done any. No. And it's, and it's only him, too. There's no real collaboration there. It's just him. Yeah, yeah. No, like I said, man, you know, he, look, he, he might be a, a, a kinder and, and gentler Mustaine at this point in his life, which is nice. But he still has, you know, obviously he still has an edge to him. And, you know, obviously he put out, you know, according to the public, at least one of the best albums of his career and, you know, recognized with a Grammy. So yeah. that was really cool. And then I got into the coffee business with Dave Ellison. You know, he's doing his coffee. So I went out and performed at the grand opening of his coffee shop in, in Minnesota. So I've been, the last few months, I've been in, in the Megadeth world a lot. Wow, that's really cool. I I know Ellison was involved with something like that. I I didn't know that you had a co- direct connection with him. That's pretty cool. Yeah, well, because I, you know, I obviously, you know, uh, you congratulate them on winning a Grammy and, and uh, putting out a great album this far into their career, which is amazing. And um, but, you know, you know, Dave's brewing the beer and, and, and uh, David Ellison's brewing the coffee. And I'm like, well, those are two things I love to drink in the morning. So um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> uh, he's I said, you know, I, I, I play in Minnesota um, every spring. And he's like, well, that's when I'm going to open up a, a, a brick and mortar store out there. My first official, you know, Elfson coffee shop. If the timing works out, he goes, I'd love you to be a part of the grand opening. And sure enough, it, it, it worked out exactly for the same weekend. So I drove out to his little hometown of Jackson, you know, population 19. And uh, we had such a great day. And it just the fans were just pouring in all day. There was a two hour line to get in the whole day. And we took pictures and hung with people. And I did a comedy set that I wrote just all about coffee. So it was a really fun day. Oh, wow. That's really cool. I know I've met Dave David once and he was really nice. Couldn't have, can't be a nicer guy. Yeah. Like a sincerely really nice dude that I walked away going, wow, that wasn't, that wasn't fake at all. He was really, really cool. So that was nice. That's nice to know. Wow. Yes. I mean, I love Megadeth. Megadeth lately. Yeah. 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 And then there's always like Marty has been on this podcast. Marty Friedman been on this podcast three times, and we always talk about Kiss. He's a huge Kiss fan, and 
I was on his album. So between the two of us, we've got pretty much uh, <laughs> the whole rest in peace thing uh, going on. Right. Well, rest in you know rest in peace, Nick Menza. But right. Um, yes, that's right. Yeah. No, I, I've I've heard him on your um, I heard him on your podcast, and uh, you know I love I think he's you know obviously he's phenomenal, and I loved that that your guest appearance on his album was great too. So. Yeah, we uh, we're you know we're locking down all the Megadeth guys. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, now getting away from the the album for a sec, there's another musical project that you're involved in, right? Is I'm a bit I'm a bit rusty on this. Gunfire and Sodomy is that your your <laughs> act, or is do you do guest vocals on it? Uh, well, one never really knows. It's kind of shrouded in mystery, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's a it's an acoustic death metal band um, <laughs> that I may or may not be involved in. Right. And, uh, it's really awesome, and uh, yeah, there we do have uh, an EP out there, and um, it's uh, yeah acoustic death metal, which uh, has never really been done before, which may be for good reason. But <laughs> right. I figure serial killers need a favorite band too, so. Uh, you know, we we got the EP out there, and uh, and actually another one coming this summer. So I'm pretty Whoa. excited about that. Um, couple of the couple of the band members finally are out of prison, and the herpes cleared up, and so everybody's kind of back and uh, ready to go again. So uh, EP number two coming your way. You know, I love my favorite TV is like all that murder porn stuff. So it was like. <laughs> You know, if you could make a band based on like the Discovery ID channel, what would it sound like? Right, right. Okay, I got you. I got you. like Gigi Allen and the Mentors and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, in fact, there's a cover of um, a Gigi Allen song on the new EP. So uh, oh, you hit, okay. once again, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> and then now that metal show, you're, you're still doing stuff in terms of you know being a host or stuff with this. Uh, do I have it right? Blonde and Crossbones. Mm-hmm. You are uh, ho hosting this show as well, and that it's involved in music as well, and and hard rock types as well. Is that is that right? Yeah. So so uh, for people uh, you know who know uh, Juliet Huddy, she was a, a Fox News anchor for twenty years. Uh, spent her whole career in network news. But, you know, underneath was this raging metalhead who wanted to be set free like a wildcat, another plug, um, <laughs> and wanted, said, hey, I had enough of freaking news. I want to do something that I have a real passion for. And she started this website, Blonde and Crossbones, not knowing that I would be Crossbones, but, um, you know, we, we met um, back at around Christmas time, and she's the real deal, and she's like, hey, you know, I would... God, I'd be amazing if you could help me out in any way because, you know, I respect, you know, what you've done with that metal show. And, you know, as a comedian, you're very funny. And, you know, if you could help me out at all, I'd appreciate it. So we started doing interviews together. And, you know, we've been doing it for like the last probably year now. And she's going to be out at Rock on the Range as well. So we're going to do a bunch of interviews together out there. And they'll be all posted up at Blonde and Crossbones dot com and um you know that's just it, that keeps me kind of fresh and it keeps you know keeps me in front of people's faces you know not only in the public eye but also with bands and it's also a good 
it's cool to develop a chemistry interview wise with somebody else. Cause with Jim and Eddie, I know where they're, I, I kind of can always tell where they're going to go with something, which, which is great. And it takes years to develop that, but it's kind of fun to do it with somebody new and kind of have no idea what's going to come out of the person's mouth. Right. So, so who are some of the guests and like how, how many episodes is this into now? Well, you know, it'll ju it's just, it's, it's videos, you know, we'll, we'll shoot, you know, a 10, 12 minute interview with a band or an artist and then post it up there. And I think that the theme of it is really just to, to try to make the interviews, try to humanize these people and really kind of give them an identity to the fans. Cause I think when you get invested with someone's personality, you're more likely to then go out and check out their music. You know, that's the thing. It's yeah. like all the music's out there. There's ton, there's insane amounts of music out there, but how do you, how do you personalize somebody for someone who doesn't know this music so that they go, wow, that person came off really intelligent or that person was really funny. I liked their personality or, oh, wow, you know, they don't worship the devil. It's just an act. And l let me check this out. So I think that's kind of the idea with that as opposed to that metal show where it's kind of like, all right, you already know who Alice Cooper is, obviously, you know, we, and now we could kind of get deep, you know, right off the bat, you know, we, with this, it's more like younger bands, you know, let's let them tell their story, let people know who they are as people. And then, and then they can get involved in the music. Hmm. That's really interesting. That sounds great, man. Yeah, thanks. Again, it's it's just keeping me on my toes. And and you know, it's funny, man. In the meantime, Jim and Eddie and I go to shows together all the time and we sit backstage and we talk to the artists and I'm like, "You realize we're still doing the show." <laughs> just don't have cameras, you know, but it's it's the same thing we've always been doing. So n nothing has changed there. Well, that's that is comforting, I think, for everybody to know that uh, the three of you are still connected and still doing it, uh, albeit offline for now. Um, and I think we're all waiting for VH. Oh well, that metal show to reemerge in any sort of form. Um, but there's enough enough platforms out there where I guess it's just a matter of time, money, and scheduling to come together. But. Well, I, well, again, for for us, the three of us, it's about doing it the right way. So, because our fan, you know, our fans are not going to abandon us, but they will if we just put it on to put it on, and it's yeah. it's nothing close to what it was, you know. And I don't want to get get people's hopes up, but, no. but there is something there is something that's right now something we're discussing, um, but but it's real early stages. So, so uh, that's all I can say. Uh, at least I can say there's there's talk, there's discussions. Yeah, and for people listening to this, you know, in the TV world, in the movie world, there's it's a, you know you can't bank on anything. So you got to take what you're saying right now with a grain of salt. You don't want to yeah. get anyone's hopes up. Yeah, because look, there's nobody that wants to do it more than the three of us. Um, but but if if that's it, um, we had a great run. And, you know, I kind of look at it as like, you know, people always con sort of considered us like the second coming of Headbangers Ball. And so what I say is, you know, if that's it for that metal show, then whatever the next thing off of us is, you know, whatever that third thing is, 
you know, I'll be behind it to support it, you know, whether I'm on it or not. And maybe there's a new kind of thing that comes along. And like I said, helps out the scene. Cause it, for me, that's, that's really what the motivation is for me to want to do it again is to, is to keep this music that I love alive, man. I, you know, like this is all, this is all we got Danko, you know, I'm not going to start listening to Japanese glockenspiel, you know, we got to <laughs> keep this shit going. When you will forever be connected with the heavy music community because of what you guys did together and ongoing your now three comedy records. I mean, you are too far from the shore to turn back now, man. <laughs> you got to keep putting these out. Four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight. As long as Brian Slagle will... will honor me with putting my comedy records out. I, I will definitely keep doing them. You know, that that's something that I, I don't want to get lost either is just how insanely honored I am to have albums on Metal Blade Records, especially as a comic. So um, that's such a perfect fit for me. And uh, it, it's... I. It could not have been a better experience up till now. And and if if I never again, same thing. If I never do another record with them, they'll always be such a huge part of me. And and Brian will always remain a, a close close friend of mine. So, uh, but yeah, so cool to see that Metal Blade record stamp on your album. Nothing better, man. And that's the thing about you guys is like, you can really feel the fandom from you guys. It's like it's like it's like supporting other fans doing shit. You know what I mean? Like it's that's yeah. what's so cool about it. Yeah, man. What look, I'm lucky, dude. I get to go to, you know, I get been able to go get to see shows, so many bands. I've gotten to stand on the stage. I get to go see bands play for free, but I never take it for granted. You know, if someone invites me to a show and they put me on the guest list, I only go if I'm going to be able to get there and be into it and, you know, fucking rock out, man. That's it. You know, I'm not going to go there and go, oh, you know, I got a free pass. I'm going to watch two songs and stand in the back of the room with my arms folded. Fuck you, man. I'm fucking getting down, getting into the fucking mess. I, I want to I experience the concert. Right, right. You know, I'm you. still a fan. You know, no matter how many times I see Alice Cooper, no matter how many times I see Saxon, no matter how many times I see, you know, whoever, I, I, I'm going to be a fan. I sort of like more and more extreme types of hard rock and metal. Like, there's a genre of metal called Viking metal. Anybody ever hear of Viking metal? <laughs> yeah, there's a few Vikings in the back there. Thank you. Yeah, there's a band called the Monomarth. You know these guys? They're from Sweden. They got the long beards and long hair. They have a Viking ship on stage when you go see them live. Yeah. But then I went backstage to meet them. Every guy in the band had a smartphone, a laptop, a Kindle. I'm like, what the fuck kind of Vikings are these? Where'd you take the Viking ship? To the Apple store? The only thing they raped and pillaged that night was a Wi-Fi connection and a power strip. At one point, the bass player was drinking meat out of a goat horn in one hand and playing Candy Crush on his iPhone in the other. How about scorpions? We like scorpions in here? We all know that song, Rock You Like a Hurricane, right? Yeah, I, I love Scorpions, but they sold out recently. They used that song, Rock You Like a Hurricane, in a Fiber One commercial. Yeah, I shit myself when I heard that. I didn't need Fiber One, that rocked my colon like a hurricane. <laughs>